Welcome to Who's That Girl, a new girl podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Kritika. And today we'll be discussing season two, episode six, Halloween. This episode originally aired on October 30th, 2012, so it was a great episode to air at that time, and it was written by David Iserson. He actually wrote one more episode of New Girl and the movie The Spy Who Dumped Me, the TV show United States of Terra, and wrote on SNL. He's also producing and writing a new movie called The Mentor, and as a producer, he also did TV shows like Mr. Robot, Mad Men, and on New Girl, there were 26 episodes that he was listed as a producer for. This episode was directed by Jesse Peretz, who actually last directed Normal from season one. This episode, Jess is working at a haunted house for a Halloween festival, and she realizes that she has real feelings for Sam. Meanwhile, Nick reconnects with an old college flame, Schmidt tries to get back together with Cece, and Winston tries to rekindle his relationship with Shelby. With the whole Winston relationship... I am glad to see that for what we saw of their relationship by the beginning of season two, I'm actually glad that they broke up because I feel like there's something better out there for Winston than what he's getting with this relationship with Shelby. I agree and I disagree with Winston. I feel like I said this before in a previous podcast, but I really wish it wasn't so written off, you know? I felt like they had something so strong coming out of season one. And it seems like they kind of just added in this whole no sex thing as like, oh, they're not having sex. They're not talking. Like, we need to break them up. Like, they, it's like almost like they didn't want to have Shelby in the show anymore. <laughs> like, that's kind of the expectation or the feeling that I got when I was like so happy for them to be together and it also just seemed weird to me that like Shelby was the one kind of instigating the like no sex and the poor communication when like the first time around when Winston and Shelby had gotten together Winston was the one kind of pulling her around and like not treating her well so now it's Shelby not treating him well so I don't know it kind of I guess it was just written a little differently is really what I'm saying but yeah I from the perspective of ending this, like, I guess I was kind of surprised even to see Shelby in this episode because I kind of thought it was already done when they had their, like, not fight fight in the car in that other episode. But now suddenly, like, here's Shelby and, like, they made it super official, like, okay, this is no longer going to happen. I agree that when you're saying it kind of feels like it's just thrown in to kind of end the storyline I agree 100% because I think that the writers wanted Winston to be single going forward and I don't know what's coming up next for him but they achieved what they set out to do with the Shelby storyline which was to kind of show Winston as someone who could be a good boyfriend someone who was willing to make that effort who had learned from his previous relationships and the way he and Shelby previously interacted into a way that he can be that boyfriend if he wanted to and if he's in the right relationship and I just feel like it is a bit sudden but I also think that if it was a relationship worth fighting for they would have fought for it and I feel like Winston did try a little bit but Shelby like you said isn't really trying she's not communicating and for what we are seeing of them I got kind of frustrated by their storyline so far in season two. And so that being said, I'm happy to see them broken up. But overall, I think there were moments of Winston and Shelby that were nice in season one. Yeah, no, agree with that. agree with that. But then I will say having Shelby in this episode purely to see her costume was great. I loved that she was raining cats and dogs. Like it was basically this pun in a costume. And even later you get to see, she finds someone that's like, oh, you're a coat of arms, like a coat of arms and a raining cats and dogs. And I just like, I don't know, for not everyone to get her costume, I was kind of okay. Like, okay, maybe it's like, you have to think about it a little bit. But for Winston, not to find it funny and for him to be mad that she didn't dress slutty. Like I was like, this isn't really fitting Winston for me. So I was like team Shelby in this episode from the perspective of like, you do you and you do Halloween the way you want to. Raining Cats of Dogs is brilliant. I remember like that was such a great costume. I think the costume was amazing too. I think it was really funny. And I think for Winston's character, it seems weird that he doesn't find it funny. But I do get when he says, 
when he feels like what they agreed upon as the theme of their costumes doesn't really match traditionally with what she actually wore. Like the way he made it sound was that they had decided together to dress in costumes that were sexy. And I don't know that I would necessarily traditionally classify Shelby's outfit as one that would be sexy. I don't think that that's bad of what she wore or that she had to fit within that realm. But I feel like the way the episode presented it, it sounded like Winston and Shelby had actually had a discussion, had decided to do this together. And maybe it was actually like to rekindle that because it feels like they lost their spark along the way. And so from that perspective, I get why he's frustrated with it though. He's been trying to make this relationship work. He had that conversation an episode or a couple episodes ago with her and she is not interested. And it, was very clear that he that she even said that she was like I know it's over so I appreciated the costume but I don't think it served what they were looking for as a couple out of their Halloween costume yeah I mean I could see how there was miscommunication on that and I'm glad that they kind of finally break up with each other and make it really clear that like it's not working and it needs to end and so at least you know, everyone kind of gets to that point where they've broken up officially and not just had this weird not fight fight. Yeah, it's nice to know that going into the next episode, we're clear on what his relationship status is, as opposed to how we've been in previous episodes. But honestly, this episode was full of relationship stuff. I felt like every character had their little romantic storyline. And I thought Nyx was particularly like, interesting weird I didn't really care for the storyline with Nick and Amelia because we saw Kelly's favorite the flashback scenes of (laughs) Nick in college and I just I don't know like I felt like he was so ready to like meet with this girl and it's interesting that they even kept in touch after like you know not really dating like Schmidt talks about which one of Nick's ex-girlfriends are coming, but Nick never actually dated Amelia in college. He just kind of puppy-dogged around her and wanted to spend time with her. So I thought that was weird also. I'm with you that Amelia and Nick storyline was like, wait, why are we trying to have this happen? And how did this come about? It seemed kind of sudden and like, hey, what about if this happened? (laughs) Like, it was kind of surprising. But A few things in it, though, were really fun for me is I don't always I know I'm not always a fan of the flashback scenes, but seeing Nick interact with Amelia in the college scene in the flashback, I just noticed and loved that he had a I want to believe poster on his wall indicating that he wanted to believe in the UFO and like the aliens. And I just was like, oh, college Nick, you're adorable. I love you. Like, this is great. So I just really, I saw that poster and I was like, okay, I like this. This is fun. But then I'm with you on like, it's not really his ex-girlfriend, but it's kind of his like person he always used to really like. And what is this? Because the other thing with that too, to me is I was like, well, wait, so this was in freshman year. You were totally puppy dog in love with Amelia or like really liked her and you never went out with her but then you also met Caroline in your freshman year and started dating Caroline all through college and Caroline drove you crazy and sent you down so many spirals and you were spent so many years with her but now after Caroline after all these other things suddenly you're like I'm gonna call up Amelia (laughs) see what she's up to because I really liked her in college and I'm just like wait, who is Amelia? Like, how did we get here? We knew about Caroline. So it just, it seemed kind of like, okay, who is this? The timeline is a little bit weird because you're right. He does appear to date Caroline all through college. And then also we don't really know when their first breakup is because they talk about it like a lot. So maybe they were just on and off again a lot. But Amelia says that she knew Nick liked her because he drove her home every year for Thanksgiving, which means it wasn't just freshman year because then she would have just said, you drove me home for Thanksgiving. And so that's obviously indicative that it was longer. So I think that New Girl is just letting us fly under the radar of who Nick dated, what college was like. They cannot keep their story straight. 
I mean, and that's okay. That's fine. We, we just get to meet new people sometimes. And I will say with, with Amelia coming over to the loft and like getting to meet her, it was fun to have it be Maria Thayer in this episode, who we'll talk about a little bit more later. But the other thing that was kind of funny to me is that he Nick is like showing the couch that he made up for her and it looks really nice and like he did a nice job with it. But then at the same time, I'm like, wait, the loft with Winston, Jess, Nick, and Schmidt. And you're going to have your guest sleep on the couch in the middle of all of that. Like, <laughs> that's really where you're putting your guest to sleep is like in the living room where everyone needs to be. Unless he decided to give her his room and then sleep on the couch, I don't know where else she would stay at that point in the episode. Because even if we think back to CC crashes in episode five of season one, Jess makes up the couch for Cece to stay on the couch. So I think that's just where they're putting guests and it doesn't matter whose guest it is. It doesn't matter that it's a common space. That's the guest room, basically. Interesting. I don't know that I remember Cece and the couch and like that's where she was sleeping, but that's that's kind of fun. I don't know. So it was, it was very nicely made up couch, but it didn't get used because... Then Nick and Amelia are reminiscing for all of five seconds and I was watching and then they get closer and I'm like, oh, are, are we going to kiss now? Like, this is what's going to happen now. And oh, I was like, oh, mm, yeah, we are. It's happening. They're kissing. That happened really fast. Like, what? When did that? How did that come about? I don't know. That's another thing that I just was like, how? What? <laughs> I feel like it's just years of unresolved tension that in that moment sparked, but I was more kind of weirded out, just like Jess was, by the way they were like making out in the hallway, and it was over the top. It it was, and I mean, clearly all that unresolved tension led to Nick and Amelia sleeping together, and so they did that, and now they're going to the Halloween festival, and so it's kind of like a fun little date for them at Halloween, they're there with the rest of the group and everything, but you know, I mean, we'll get into this more, but like, you know, Nick is going in to the haunted house. He's trying to help Jess. He's like doing something else with Jess and other things. And he later comes out and like finds Amelia. And like, they did show us a scene where they were carving pumpkins or doing something with pumpkins, but it's like, wait, where was Amelia the entire time that Nick was going through the haunted house and trying to help Jess? Like he, he didn't even seem to tell her, like maybe that happened off screen. Sure. But like, it seemed like he just went on and did his own thing completely separate from her. And then suddenly is like, oh, hey, Amelia, what up? Now that I've solved my other friend's problems, like, let me see what you're up to. And actually, like, it even is before he goes into the haunted house, because when he's talking to Sam, she's obviously nowhere to be seen either. But I feel like that's just not a detail that they really paid attention to when they created this, because also... Robbie and Schmidt go off for who knows how long later in the episode and Cece just comes to find them like where have you been and <laughs> you know you'd imagine that she would have called or texted or you know looked for them sooner than what appeared to be a significant length of time yeah they were all of them just seemed to be hanging out at the festival making new friends doing what they wanted to do so I don't know I, I guess on on this front too similar to Winston though I'm really glad that Nick and Amelia did realize that maybe what they had was this lust of just years of unresolved tension and like figuring out, oh, we're finally both free to be together. But like, okay, it's not going to work. And Nick is just, you know, they're acknowledging that and whatnot. But then Nick is just hammering it on with like, oh, and by the way, I also really didn't like this about you and this about you. And I was like, okay, Nick, too much. You're telling too much truth. Like, this is not what this needed to be. You don't need to share this much. I feel like if we come out of this episode with Nick learning and actually being more honest with his feelings and being able to grow from this, I will see a lot of value in the storyline. But right now, I felt like I would have much rather spent more time with Jess and Sam and even Nick's interaction with Jess and Sam than any of this Amelia stuff because I feel like it was a, we need to fill a little bit more of this episode. Let's throw in this random, like there was a sticky note of one plotline for Nick and let's throw it into this episode because I don't really know that Nick's going to carry that kind of growth into future episodes so it just I could have done without and I would have much rather that time been spent on the Joss and Sam relationship I don't disagree but 
like I said, there were a few moments that then led us to at least see the Nick and Jess dynamic change a little bit. But what also helped with that, like you said, was Sam and Jess. And so we got to see actually a lot of Sam and Jess in this episode. And the beginning of the episode, we do see, okay, Jess still doesn't have a regular job that she's been having. She's not really back to being a teacher, but she is being a Halloween character at this Halloween haunted house festival thing. And she just had a very interesting costume. And even the jokes, and even though they clarified it in the episode that she was like zombie Christina Barcelona, like the Woody Allen movie. I just, I remember having seen her character in like when I first watched this the first time in this episode as this dressed up person. And both times I'm just like, that is honestly very frightening. Jess just looks so frightening because she doesn't look like herself at all. And she just looks so made up and everything. So I just, I love that she committed to that costume too for the entire episode. She was like, the only scene she was not dressed as that was when she went to go see Sam at his office. I can't imagine how many hours Zoe Deschanel spent in makeup for this episode at all. Oh my gosh, it was so much. It was so much and so intense and so scary. Like, it's so scary to see her looking like that. So, I don't know. Love the love the camaraderie, though, with the loft mates at the beginning of the episode with that. Yeah, I thought she was really committed as well. So then she goes to see Sam because she has his wallet and she, that's when she finds out and we find out that he's actually a doctor. And, you know, it's just thrown in there in this episode just to like quickly tell us that he's a pediatrician. He's a good guy. Even though he claims he's not a good guy, he is really sweet with kids and stuff. Kelly and I had actually previously talked about this in a spoiler section when we first met Sam because if we think back to Katie, where Jess and Sam are in this bathroom together, Bearclaw yells out, are you a doctor? Is there a doctor in here? Or something like that. And Sam never said anything. And now we come to find out he really is a doctor. So he's really playing into not telling his dates or the people he's seeing about his profession because he automatically feels like people are going to love him just knowing that he's a pediatrician. And he's not fully wrong about that. But yeah, I was very surprised to be like, wait, did we get any context into what Sam does and suddenly he's a doctor? Like, I almost wonder if that was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if he was a doctor? <laughs> like, I would love if that was actually what happened with the writers as they kind of decided like, oh, we need to give him a job. What should his job be? Or like, if that was predetermined, I'm, I'm, would be, I would love to know like a little bit more about that. But yeah, I kind of felt like it was really just sudden in this episode. But then he's trying to come off as a bad guy and be like, no, like I'm not, I don't care for kids. Like it's really just a facade type of thing. But in a way to me, he kind of was still being like a jerk. Like, oh, that kid, like it's not worth anything. Like this is stupid drawing. They're bad at this. But it's like, it was just very mixed messages. Cause I was like, well, wait, are you really trying to like play a part? And you really are that guy. But then isn't there like a trope too that like doctors are not actually like super nice people or something? But I don't know. I just thought it was really sudden to kind of see him as a doctor and Jess going to visit him. I think there is a trope about that with doctors, but I think I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like I don't think he's actually as mean as he's coming off with, oh, that kid doesn't know how to draw. I think that he's saying that to preserve what he has with Jess, which is a no strings attached relationship. But I also don't think he is... I think obviously he's a little bit performative with children because he has to be that way for his job. So I think it's somewhere in the middle, but I definitely don't think he's as big of a jerk as he sounds like he is when he's making fun of these kids and stuff. But one thing that really stood out to me that I thought was hilarious was when Jess and Cece are talking about this afterwards because she starts to feel feelings and we actually see her talk to Cece, which was awesome. Cece states that she thought that one of... Sam's potential professions was an unemployed handsome man. And I just <laughs> died. I also died. That was ridiculous that they're like, he was not going to be anybody successful. He was just going to be a nice looking human. Like he didn't, he wasn't supposed to have a job. So definitely thought that was funny. Also thought it was so cute how Jess was trying to kid herself that she's like, yeah, I'm not going to feel anything. I feel nothing about this. And I'm just like, Oh, Jess, you're, yes. As soon as, I mean, she even said before, it's like, if I fall, know about somebody, I fall in love with them. If I spend a lot of time with them, I fall in love with them. And so she's starting to get some extra context for Sam. And so she has to talk it over with Cece. So 
I loved it. I love that Jess was just becoming back to her old self in this. And she's also catching up with Nick, right? Like in the scene that I didn't like of Nick and Amelia going at it in the hallway, Jess and Nick catch up on their relationships too. And it was sweet to see them kind of come together for this and show that friendship side that we love to see of Nick and Jess. I love that scene too, because it happened too in Fluffer where Sam was staying over and they come out in the middle of the night and they like have a little chat with each other. And I just thought it was so cute that I'm like, here it is again. Like they have these different relationship things going on, but then they come out and stay like catch up with each other on their relationships and kind of like see how it's going. Like their friendship is definitely there. And like they're relying on each other in a way that they're not relying on, relying on the people that they're sleeping with. So I also thought that scene was really cute. But then it definitely, like I totally picked up on too how you know, Jess seemed really like sad and awkward about Nick and Amelia kissing and was like, oh, this is weird. But then when Sam was leaving the next morning and Nick was on the couch, then he was watching Sam and Jess kind of say goodbye and kiss. And Nick also was like, oh, like, this is awkward. I don't like this either. And so I just was like, you guys, that's cute. (laughs) That's cute that you're just like awkward about the other person being with somebody, but at the same time, really supportive of them. I loved it. Okay. So here's where we disagree. Oh no. (laughs) I loved the scene. I thought it was cute, but I don't think it's so much about the person that they're doing that with. I think that if Schmidt was on the couch and Jess had that goodbye with Sam. He would have said awkward too, or he would have been weirdly into it. It was one of the two which meant. But I feel like it's less about the person and it's more about like actually having to witness it. So when Jess was like, you feel like you were awkward at that when she had to watch Amelia and Nick make out in the hallway. And so to me, it didn't read as much of like a Jess and Nick thing that you know we're building up to or anything. It felt more like just you know any loft mate you don't want to see your roommate making out in the middle of the hallway right outside your room either okay you're not wrong (laughs) but we can agree to disagree on how much (laughs) of an impact it has but I think what does really show good friendship and the Nick and Jess connection is when Nick is actually talking to Sam he's making an uh, like an investment in talking to someone that Jess is interested in and he seems to be her go-to about when she's having harsh talks like if we think back to the 23rd Nick is the person that Jess talked to about having to break up with Paul. And now she talked to him about her relationship with Sam. And luckily, unlike the 23rd, Nick doesn't immediately tell Sam, oh, Jess is going to tell you all this stuff or talk to him as if he already knows stuff. But his first instinct is to go in and warn her that she's about to be vulnerable with someone when he already knows that it's not going to be reciprocated. I know. I think that's a really great connection. And that was just really sweet of Nick to like feel responsible then to save his friend from being hurt. Cause that's really why he's like trying to face his fears and like go through the haunted house. But when Sam announced and was like, Oh yeah, no, I text other girls. And like, Jess totally knows like, this is all above board. And I'm just like, no other girls and I kind of had this the Nick feeling in me that sad face like that's not okay you know and so it was just feeling really sad for Jess in that moment and, and clearly so was Nick because then he goes into the haunted house but I did you catch too I really loved how he's like haunted houses are just like relationships they're scary <laughs> I just was like yes like this is so right and also haunted houses they're on their own also just scary not a fan <laughs> I think haunted houses are great. I haven't been to nearly as many as I would like, but I think he does have a point about how it relates to relationships. I think he even says that part of the reason they relate is because you feel confident going in and then it gets scary. So it's like when you see a haunted house, you have an idea of how it's going to be. You know you're going to get jump scares. You know that it's going to be freaky. Like that clown scene that Nick went through was terrifying, but you never know what you're going to experience. Like he knew he was hyping himself up to go into it and he was still so scared. He had to tell himself things were recordings and obviously he ends up punching Jess. (laughs) For the record, that clown scene is when I audibly said and almost yelled to the TV, nope, nope, nope. Hate this, hate that, nope. 
because like Nick, I was like, somebody help me. This is my nightmare. <laughs> like getting screamed by a clown in the haunted house with like no sense of direction or where to go. Clearly, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> but I did love before he really makes it his way to Jess, like in a different part of the episode, you see too, Jess is in there hanging out in the haunted house and she's talking with the Frankenstein and with the mummy and trying to figure out her life problems. Like, what should I do? And they're like, you should just really tell him, like, be honest, be, be honest with Sam about your relationship. And then people walk by and they're just like, ah, scaring people. I thought that was so great that they're just, that did kind of like bring it back to reality for me a little bit with the haunted house because I just was like they're just people hanging out in there talking about their love lives and what they should be doing bonding while they're waiting for the people to walk through all scared I think what makes that scene even more memorable is that they're sharing these like vulnerable honest conversations with each other but they don't even know each other's names like the mummy just says zombie you should share your feelings because that person doesn't even know Jess's name. And I thought that was such a good dichotomy to like balance this vulnerable scene with people that Jess does not know. It was. It was a really great balance. It was really, it made it, it made it really fun and very, very comedic. But yeah, Nick finally makes his way there. Jess jumps out and scares him and he full on punches her. <laughs> And all of the friends then, because they have her back and because they're in the haunted house, they all come and bond together to fully beat up on Nick and pull him out of the haunted house and like kind of ban him. But then Jess felt like she was still kind of confused about what happened and not really sure like how she got to that part, you know, like it seemed she was kind of dazed or whatever. And maybe he punched her so hard that that's the reason, but Sam comes up and takes care of her and just tells him that Nick punched her. And he even says like, how could you? And everyone's ganging up on Nick. And you got to wonder why no one knew this would be an accident. Like obviously Jess, who knows Nick so well, has to think he didn't do it on purpose. And she's kind of playing it off as if it was this really purposeful thing. Like he knew it was her and he punched her. I felt like it was a little weird, but... I had to let it go because the scene of Sam checking out Jess was honestly adorable. My favorite scene in probably the whole episode. It was really cute. And he goes, you know, that bruise might heal, but the stitches are going to be a hard thing to come out. And I just, I thought that was adorable too, because it was like just her makeup. Like she was really just fine, you know, but like, it was really cute. And then having that lollipop ready to go and yeah. just- it was cute. I, I I wish I could just play that scene over and over again, but it has to come to an end. It does. Because Jess starts asking him out, but while she's asking him out and like really trying to share her feelings and be honest with him, which is great, I just died in this moment. Like you thought it was really sweet and cute and everything. I couldn't continue thinking it was super sweet and cute because she looks like a zombie in her weird zombie outfit, asking him out. And I'm just like, Jess, like, you're trying to be so serious right now. And you look so ridiculous. I was laughing so hard at that scene. It was really cute. Sam was being really nice and being, being so serious for the fact that she looked like she looked in her costume. So that's the part that I died on. But yeah, she's trying to get her real feelings out. And Sam definitely hears her. I didn't even really process the fact that she was asking him out in zombie makeup because I feel like that's such a just thing to do. She fully embraced who she was. So I feel like I glazed over that completely. But the conversation itself, I have to say, it was definitely like a gut punch that Sam was not receptive to what she was saying. But I absolutely loved that he was honest. He was very clear about his boundaries. And it reminded me of her conversation with Paul again in the 23rd and how Paul wanted more from her and she couldn't give it to him. And they broke up because that was the right thing to do at that time. And that's really where we are here. And, you know, I really thought Sam was mature and I love seeing him ask immediately, do you want me to go? He knows that she is, you know, upset in that moment and maybe doesn't want him around and doesn't linger because a lot of people, when they make someone feel bad, try to make them feel better. But that makes people feel worse because you're just reminding them of things that didn't go the way they expected. And I really loved how he handled this conversation and how Jess handled it. I thought it was very mature. I agree completely. Like, 
I was just so glad that Sam was just honest with everything and was like, okay, I told you what I wanted and I understand you feel differently. Like I'm going to move on, you know, or like we're going to do different things now rather than make it exaggerated. So yeah, I, I really loved that that scene ended so well. Lastly though, they wrap up like the Jess and Nick part of this story by being back in the loft and okay, Jess is like looking like her normal self, like you mentioned, which is like good to see her looking like her and my little heart because Jess and Nick now are sitting on the couch and like Nick has broken up with Millie at this point, Jess is there, but then he has her arm around her to hold the peas on her face. There would have been so many other ways that he could help hold the peas. And honestly, that was like, the most flirtatious way he could hold the frozen peas on her face to help it. I, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. But then she's like, okay, let's go. And she stands up and they all get ready so she can punch him. And oh my gosh, so great. I'm so glad that like in the loft, they kind of have their own loft rules and like they get even, even though it was an accident that Nick punched Jess, they got even. (laughs) Yeah, and I love that Nick at first was like, yeah, I'm so glad you can't do this. Like, Jessica Day couldn't, and it's just cut off by him actually getting punched by her. And I like that she got even. Like, I I agree with you. The way that they have these loft rules, whatever they might be, I like that it's almost a loft decision to let this happen. Just like the $50 in the douchebag jar was a loft decision. And I, I thought it really solidified, like, all of their friendships as a unit. It really did. It really did. The other situation and couple triangle sort of thing that happened in this episode was Robbie and Cece and how Schmidt gets in the middle of them. (laughs) As Schmidt does. And that part of the episode starts kind of about them talking about their costumes and what they're going to be for Halloween. And Schmidt, of course, is young Abe Lincoln. Young, of course. He made that very clear. And meanwhile, you know, we don't get to hear much about Cece's costume at first, but then Robbie is going to be a Ninja Turtle and Jess is like at her sewing machine helping make Robbie's costume. I I just thought that was so nice. Like, especially from like a Cece-Jess friendship perspective, it's like, that's such a big thing to do is make your friend's boyfriend a Halloween costume, like make it. I was like, that's really nice. And like Schmidt just got in there and like ruined everything and like made stupid, stupid comments. And I was just like, Schmidt sucks. Like not about this, but like, I thought it was a really cool moment for like CC, Jess and Robbie. Yeah. Everything you said, I agree with. I hated how Schmidt undermines the relationship between Robbie and CC. Every chance he gets, he takes Robbie and puts him down all the time. Like you're saying the comments about his costume, it was unnecessary. And then Agreed again about Jess and Cece's relationship. Like making a costume is also a very time intensive project. And obviously it feels like Jess is the kind of person that made her own costume. And for her being a zombie, did all that makeup in the show at least. So she's putting a lot of effort into this, but she's still taking the time to make this costume for Robbie. And Robbie is so appreciative too. He's always wanted to be a Ninja Turtle and he's part of this. And when Schmidt invites them to Halloween with the loft, in a really like condescending way, first of all. But when he does invite them, Robbie was even like, he continues to show how good of a guy he is by saying, you know, it's okay. Like, forget about my friends. Let's go hang out with your friends because he knows that Cece would want to hang out with them. And he is constantly making these sacrifices for Cece to feel comfortable. And later in the episode, we find out that Cece wants to spend more time with Schmidt and she's told Robbie that. And here's Robbie making that happen. Like as much as Schmidt was on the side of Schmidt sucks, I really hate what he's doing right now. That elevated Robbie even more of, wow, you're making all these sacrifices. You're really like stepping in and being this good guy for CC. Oh, definitely. Robbie, throughout this whole episode, I just was like, you are a good guy. Like you're really cool. And I'm glad that we got to see you come back in this episode and actually get a little bit more about Robbie and kind of his voice and perspective and not just talking about speakers like he did at the relaunch danger party. So I'm I'm with you there that I think Robbie really shined in this episode, especially because Schmidt really didn't shine because he got really obsessive about different things. And I'm glad that they kind of made it funny and like went in on the show or like went in on 
getting their relationship and the conversations to go further with how the things were at the Halloween festival because Cece comes as an angel, which we love Cece, obviously. Cece and Jess, friendship, so great. Love it. But Cece comes as an angel to this cost, to this Halloween thing. And I'm just like, Cece, your friend Jess is so committed and she's dressed up for her Halloween because she works at the haunted house as the zombie. She made your boyfriend a Ninja Turtle costume and he looks very in costume. And you are wearing a white dress. You do not have a halo on your head. You don't have like your dress is also speaking of like kind of that slutty Halloween idea. That's all that it was. And so of course, then Schmidt looking like young Abe Lincoln, which is basically him in a tux and a top hat. I don't know. I feel like she was getting really sensitive, but then it's like, Cece, you could have literally picked any other costume and you wouldn't have had this issue. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I was getting really like irritated with Cece for being irritated that she's like, no, I'm with the Ninja Turtle. Like, why doesn't anybody see that? And I'm like, Clearly, it's hard to see because you're wearing just a white dress. No indication about what your outfit is. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> I don't blame her for the fact that her dress and Schmitz got confused as a bride and groom because she didn't know what Schmidt was going to be wearing. But I don't think she put a lot of effort in. I think it is ridiculous to think angel and ninja turtle or bride and ninja turtle as a couple's costume. And she obviously didn't put that much into it. And I feel like we've seen quirkier sides of Cece where she wore Jess's mustache, she wore the hat, and you would think that there would be more of an outfit for Cece. And I feel like, yes, it's partially Cece, but I feel like also it's kind of the writers being like, oh, okay, let's just put her in something she'll look good in and frame the storyline over how it is going to look different than Robbie. I mean, yeah, you're right. But ultimately, I just found that I was wishing Cece was a little bit different in this episode. Also, Again, I feel like not only was Robbie such a good guy because of how Schmidt was making him even appear as a good guy and and Robbie like even talks to Schmidt and like has this moment with him. But like, I feel like Robbie's even a good guy because he and Cece must have some good conversations about how, I mean, we know that he, she has told him that she misses Schmidt, but it's like, there's things that Cece's doing in this episode where she's getting so annoyed by Schmidt that it's very clear that she is very in denial that she is really not over Schmidt or moved on. It's like, she's almost trying to avoid him to me. And that's maybe why she didn't want to go to the Halloween thing with them tonight, even though she kind of misses him. But then she's just spending the whole night being irritated at Schmidt rather than like not caring at all. But then Robbie still looks really awesome. Like being like, it's okay, Cece. Like, I understand this is hard, but it's like, it's such a weird, complicated thing. And I'm not trying to say like it's good or bad or anything on that, but it's just like, it's weird and complicated. But like Robbie is still just like super chill, super like, hey Schmidt, let's actually talk about this for a second because you gotta just be okay with this. He was actually standing up for himself, standing up for Cece and really making a go of it. So I just was, I guess I'm just team Robbie. As far as this relationship goes, I'm team Robbie because I think Cece was a little immature at times and not really putting all the pieces together. And Schmidt always is immature all the time. (laughs) And Robbie was just the one making it all come together. I'm also team Robbie. I think that the thing about Cece is, yes, she was a little bit immature here. Yes, it seems to us that she's really in denial. She misses Schmidt. She wants to be with Schmidt, but she's not ready to admit that to him or herself yet. But I feel like We've also seen her not stand up for Robbie in the past. And in this episode, she does stand up for him a little bit. When Schmidt says that he wants to spend more time with her, she asks with Robbie and he says, sure, yeah, all three of us, whatever. And I felt like that was kind of her putting in the fact that she does have this boyfriend. I would be very interested to see a storyline of Cece and Robbie without Schmidt involved to see how their relationship really goes because Robbie does seem so understanding. He seems like a great guy with the headbutting. Like I can't think of many people that would have someone coming to headbutt them multiple times and still break bread with them and eat this deep fried turkey leg and then opt to spend time with them and their current girlfriend when the person you're talking about was your girlfriend's ex. That's not a common situation. So definitely Team Robbie. But the end of the episode, you know, Schmidt is stripping down because he also realizes that Robbie and Cece are a good couple and Robbie's a good guy. That's his brand. 
and he wants to give them the couple's costume. So he starts stripping to give his like suit from his young Abe Lincoln to be the bride and groom, I guess. Like, I mean, I don't see how Schmidt's clothes would fit Robbie. Honestly, didn't think about that before. So <laughs> I just saw him undressing and was like, I, I, I didn't know what was happening. But then Schmidt goes, you know, I always have a backup plan. And so he was going to be Matthew McConaughey from Magic Mike. And here he is walking around in a Speedo with his thighs and like the blazer. And this child, oh my gosh, how ridiculous was that? This child in a Western outfit with the cowboy hat felt the like connection to have to give him the hat. Like you deserve this man, like the unspoken thing. And I'm like, this is a child. What? What? I thought that was so weird. And I thought it would have been even, in a way, I thought it would have been a little less weird if Schmidt just took the hat. Like, I thought that would still be bad, but like, it would have made more sense than the kid having respect for Schmidt to give him his hat. Like, that's what that scene was. I was like, what? Loved, loved that Schmidt had a backup costume and like just undressed in public to be like, I'm ready to go. Second out, second costume. Here I am. But really, really was like, what is this child doing? I feel like New Girl just even I think back to the wedding episode with the kid fighting Winston in the dance off. And it's just like New Girl does not get kids right now. This is not how kids behave. Even like Sarah with the bras and like, you know, that kind of thing. I'm just like, the kids on the show are ridiculous because it's just not how kids act. Yeah, it was a very, very weird scene because you had to wonder why is this kid looking at Schmidt like he's earned this hat? Like, does he know about Magic Mike and recognizes the costume? Or is he just feeling like that's the piece that he needs to perfect his look? It's it's definitely just weird. I think it's funny to watch, but when you think about it, it just gets a little Unnecessary almost. Yeah, questionable. I mean, with that though, and with his costume, kind of getting to our Schmidtism then, we just wanted to pick the really quick scene of Schmidt deciding what he was originally going to be for Halloween, not his backup costume. And so I'm going to do Winston in this scene and Kritika is going to do Schmidt. You're going as Abe Lincoln for Halloween. Statistically speaking, every American thinks about Abraham Lincoln at least once a day. And Cece is American, so... Thank you for that information, Schmidt. Scene. (laughs) And I loved how this particular line, I liked how the writers brought it back. Because when Robbie finds out that he is Abe Lincoln, he says, Oh, I was just thinking about him today. And it's it's pure comedy gold to just like tie that back in so quickly and so easily yeah and schmidt's like of course you were like no question like of course everyone was thinking about abe lincoln all day like or at least a part of your day and i did really like in the schmidtism actually that schmidt really called out like well cc's american and it wasn't something about cc that was harping on the fact that she's indian or had brown skin i'm just like yes, Cece's American. Like, of course, she's been thinking about Abe Lincoln too. And I think, I mean, there's Schmidt again, trying to like, just be what Cece wants to see and what Cece wants to hear. And like, he put himself in the situation that he did. But yet, here we are with Cece. So just kind of funny. Yeah, I do think he's constantly just trying to be what Cece wants out of a partner. And the Cece being American line, I feel like is in the 2020s, a not and a yes at the same time, because it depends on how Cece identifies. Because if she considers herself an Indian American, then I feel like this is the one chance that Schmidt would have had to call her Indian American and have it actually be correct and not like this weird fetishization that's been going on. I think in this situation, it is really that she considers herself American because she talks about her parents being born in India and being from India. So In this situation, I think that's really a yes in the 2020s. Like you said, he's finally not using that and the color of her skin and stuff to describe why she's thinking of Abe Lincoln. But the other parts of our not in the 2020s is really everything Schmidt's done. (laughs) So (laughs) we've really called out for a couple episodes now, whenever we see him with Robbie, he's always putting Robbie down and he continues to do that in this episode, like we said. And then again, when he jumps on the carousel behind Cece, when she didn't really ask for it, 
she actually tells him to get off and he refuses to do so. And it's just not a great look for Schmidt. It's really not. But our yeses in the 2020s continue to include Robbie. We really appreciate how he's handling the situation, even if it has taken him some time to really step up to Schmidt and he's given Schmidt this benefit of the doubt that maybe other people really wouldn't have given. He's really setting his boundaries in a way that's respectful of Schmidt and respectful of his relationship with Cece and being firm in that. So he continues to be a yes in the 2020s for us. And the other yes in the 2020s was Sam being honest, having that, just having that conversation with him, sharing how she feels. And he was honest with her, as we said, and just accepted it and didn't try to push himself onto Jess the way that, you know, Benjamin might have tried to do. And as he did in the story of the 50, Sam was just there being honest and moving on, not trying to push himself onto Jess. Yeah. And even him just being willing and recognizing the situation as needing to leave and asking Jess, not making decisions for her, letting her know where he stands. Switching gears a little bit to go into our pop culture, though, The first one we're going to talk about is Beverly Hills Chihuahua, which is the movie that Nick says was filmed in LA when he's talking to Amelia at the beginning. And it is a 2008 American family comedy film by the Walt Disney Corporation. And the plot centers around a female chihuahua who gets dognapped in Mexico and has to escape from this evil Doberman and gets help from other dogs to make it back to Beverly Hills. So this movie actually has two sequels, Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 and Beverly Hills Chihuahua 3 Viva La Fiesta. And both of these movies are direct to DVD and they continue to follow the main character, the female Chihuahua, Chloe, on her life after the first film ends. And this film has a combination of human actors and voice actor so it's not a completely animated film it's actually comprised of jamie lee curtis who plays vivian or viv and her niece rachel is played by piper paraboo but then chloe the chihuahua is voiced by drew barrymore Uh, there's a german shepherd named delgado that's voiced by andy garcia and then there's another chihuahua named poppy that's voiced by george lopez so the interesting thing here is also that Nick mentions that Beverly Hills Chihuahua was filmed in LA, but looking into it, most of the scenes are actually filmed in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico, even some of the stuff that says it's Beverly Hills. So Nick's not really giving all the facts right there to Amelia even right then. Yeah, I I mean, I thought this this reference was actually kind of fun. The Beverly Hills Chihuahua is definitely a movie that happened. I heard about it and then I forgot about it. And then when you're telling, (laughs) you reminded us that Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 and 3 both exist and went straight to DVD. I kind of like laughed and chuckled to myself on that one because I'm just like, I I was thinking before you said that, like, wow, they actually have a 2 and 3 of Beverly Hills Chihuahua. (laughs) But then I was like, oh, of course it went straight to DVD. So no shade on any of the actors, like great actors who participated and in, in, in acted or voiced in these movies. But it, it is understandably a funny premise for, for a movie. A hundred percent. And I think some of the actors that were in the original actually didn't reprise their roles in the second and third either. So maybe they felt the premise was interesting. <laughs> yeah, as well. I'm, I'm not really surprised on that. Another reference that we wanted to bring up in this episode was kind of similar in a way and that's when Schmidt referred to Winston as Axel Foley in his cop uniform costume and Axel Foley is a fictional detective played by Eddie Murphy in the Beverly Hills Cops film series so not quite Beverly Hills Chihuahua a little bit better of a series with the Beverly Hills Cop but Kind of funny that they're both these Beverly Hills detective style style things. There are three Beverly Hills cop movies, and they came out in 1984, 1987, and 1994. Kind of back in 2016, I saw there was like a rumored fourth movie going to come out for Beverly Hills Cop, but it's now 2021 and we still haven't really seen anything or there's not more press around how that could come out. But the plot line of all three movies, not to really 
go too deep in case you haven't seen them and you want to know, like, want to experience them first. But the plot line generally for these movies is that Axel Foley, the main character, goes and visits Beverly Hills to investigate a shooting of a person that he's close to. So he's actually, the character Axel Foley is actually from Detroit, Michigan, but then has to go to Beverly Hills because a connection and friend that he has um, is killed or shot or needs to be investigated. In 2013, CBS was going to have a Beverly Hills Cop TV series where it was going to star Axel Foley's son, Aaron, as the main character. And it actually got canceled and squashed before it actually aired even the pilot because Eddie Murphy was in the pilot episode. He only really intended to make a cameo, but then all the producers kind of passed it around and they were like, oh, this show will be great if Eddie Murphy's in it. And Eddie Murphy's like, yeah, I'm not going to be in that. Like he was never intending to really be in the show. He was just intending to do a cameo in the first episode. Uh, So that didn't really make it off the ground. Although Eddie Murphy has said that it would have been a really great show. Yeah, I think any show that would have had Eddie Murphy in it would probably have done really well. And so it's even interesting that he wasn't the original character or the original actor that was supposed to play Axel Foley. Originally, they had it set for Sylvester Stallone or Mickey Rourke. I've actually never seen these movies, but I think it's interesting to see what the different casting choices could have been. I mean... I have seen this movie, these movies, and I will tell you that if Sylvester Stallone or Mickey Rourke was Axel Foley, then I think it would have been a really different movie series, and probably there wouldn't have been three of them, because Sylvester Stallone and Eddie Murphy have just very different comedy personas. I will say, too, these movies are almost worth watching, especially my husband made me watch them, too, because of this one scene specifically is the banana in the tailpipe. So if you've ever heard that or, like, heard that kind of ruse happening, it came from this movie. That is what Axel Foley does so that he can get away from the bad guys or, like, getting surveilled and they can't drive away because they have a banana in their tailpipe of their car. We'll include a link to watch that one scene. It's pretty, pretty ridiculous. (laughs) Switching into our guest stars... There were a lot of guest actors in this episode, a lot in costume, such as Hesley Harps, who had the costume coat of arms, Zoe Hall, who was the demon nurse, and Laura Plattner, who played the mummy. Another guest actor in this episode was Ryan Christensen, who played the actual LAPD cop. We're not going to dive into them on this podcast, but we will include links for you in the show notes so that you can dive in deeper if you'd like. But the first guest actor that we are going to actually cover is Maria Thayer, who played Amelia. So she was in TV shows like Superstore, Those Who Can't, You're the Worst, The Mindy Project, Gotham, Cougar Town, and in Eagleheart. And she was also in movies like Accepted, which also had Justin Long in it, which was a fun new girl pairing for us. And uh, other movies like State of Play, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Hitch, and a short called The Ride. Personally, Maria Thayer, we saw that she actually just finished a year and a half of breast cancer treatment. uh, And that was as of April 2021. So she, I guess, had announced recently on her social media that she had or has breast cancer and yet has had a year and a half of cancer treatment at this time. So doesn't sound like it's fully gone or she hasn't stated it in that way, but that she is working through the cancer, which is like really empowering in a way. I mean, I've seen her actually, like I've seen a lot of the things that she's been in and I'm very familiar with like who she is as, as an actress and just was really kind of surprised to like see this about her and know that she's still acting and just had finished Superstore kind of while all this was going on. So I'm hoping for the best for Maria. And additionally, she also played the role of Nina in an off-Broadway performance of The Seagull at the Blue Heron Art Center in New York City. She was born on a bee farm that actually is in Boring, Oregon. That is the name of the city that it's called. I've actually driven through there. Kind of lives up to the name, but it's not a bad town by any means. And she was previously engaged to the actor David Harbour. I think what's really interesting too is that even though she's this 
actress that like you said you've seen her in a lot of stuff she actually also loves to sing and when she first went to Juilliard she thought that she would be doing musical theater instead of classic theater and she's an artist so she specializes in crop art which she did a lot of competitions at the Minnesota State Fair and so she's just really versatile in like where in the arts she can perform Our other guest star that we're going to highlight is Nate Hartley, who was the Frankenstein monster in The Haunted House. And he is known professionally for television shows like The Goldbergs. He is a prominent character in that show. He's also done the TV show Schooled. He did one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he also has been in Zeke and Luther. On the movies, he's done Hello, My Name is Frank, which is com- had just come out this year, 2021, and then was also in the movie Like, Share, Follow. Nate Hartley, however, is not related to the actor Justin Hartley, as far as we could find, because that was the first thing that when we saw his name, we recognized the last name there. But he is still done so much, like Kelly mentioned some of his professional accolades, but he's also co-written and starred in the 2015 film Imagine Gary, where he is the title character Gary, And we found that he had been making short films basically since he could hold a camera. And as early as 1997, at the age of five, he was performing magic tricks for his friends and family. And his parents even co-owned a video store in the 90s, way before Netflix. And this was his source of watching all of the classic films that got him into acting in movies and TV. Nate Hartley also has some quotes on his IMDb that he must have added there for some reason. And they're kind of just some funny things. I know Pratika and I read through them and had a little laugh at what he has as his quotes as being said. Uh, Not sure if it's a joke or him trying to be serious, but you can always, we're going to, we're going to include the link to his IMDb where you can see those quotes. For trivia and fun facts in this episode, IMDb fun facts had said, oh, Schmidt says that Robbie is 6'4", but really Nelson Franklin, the actor who plays Robbie, is 6'5". But the script and like what is actually said is Jess was talking to Sam and Sam is describing himself saying that he is Sam Sweeney from Boston. He's 6'4". And David Walton, who plays Sam, is actually 6'4". And it didn't really have to do with Robbie. Yeah, so we think here IMDb just has a goof about who or what part of the show this was really in because that's the only reference we could find about height and specifically with the 6'4", since that is what Jess says about Sam and that David Walton actually is 6'4". But the other thing that we're going to include for you in the show notes is a list of all of the new girl characters and the costumes that they wore so we mentioned that Jess was the zombie of Christina Barcelona and we talked about Schmidt being Abraham Lincoln or young Abe Lincoln but we'll include all of those in our show notes and on smallscreenchatter.com if you want to take a look at what everybody was wearing So as we get to the end of this episode, we always give the episode a rating, as you know. And so IMDb gave this episode a 7.9 out of 10, and the original audience viewership in the U.S. was 4.75 million. I gave this episode an 8.5. I actually truly, really liked it. I loved kind of the different relationship dynamics. I loved that all of the cast was doing the same activity. I kind of like when I can just see one thing a lot versus a lot of different things. And I feel like so far in the season, we've seen kind of some different storylines taking place, but this one, they kind of brought them all back together to kind of the one event that they were doing. So I really liked that perspective of it. And I also just thought it was hilarious how they approached Halloween. For me, it was an eight, so very close to what IMDb rated it. It wasn't my favorite episode of the season so far, but it was a good and strong contender and better than the last couple that we've seen. It was also really hard for me to pick a favorite character. I went between quite a few of them because I appreciated Jess's growth, and I really like Sam actually in this episode too, but I had to settle on Nick for my favorite character because Nick braved his fears. Haunted houses weren't on Nick's list of fears, but it is definitely one of his fears. And he braved that for Jess. And I appreciate how much went into that, even if it didn't lead to the best situation where he punched Jess and she had to punch him back. I really appreciated him being willing to go there for his friend. 
Nick was a solid choice. I almost picked him for my favorite character as well, but I ended up going with Jess. I really loved her commitment to the job she was in in the moment in this episode. She got really invested in her character. She dressed up and, you know, got just did her job really well as Jess does. And she also, you know, had the ability to tell Sam how she felt and wasn't just going to let that go. You know, she wasn't going to be dishonest with herself. And so I just really appreciated Jess and the humor and the experiences she brought to this episode, especially when she got to punch Nick at the end. I thought that was pretty great. Those were all the reasons why I almost picked Jess for mine too. But at this point in the podcast, we're going to get into our spoiler section. So anyone who has not watched the rest of the show, or if you don't want to hear about any future storylines, this is your chance to break away. But before you go, Kelly and I want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Who's That Girl? We love your feedback, so please give us a rating in Apple Podcasts or leave comments in wherever you're listening to this podcast now. And we check our email so you can reach us there at whosthatgirlpod at gmail.com or on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at whosthatgirlpod. So we really hope you'll be back next week for episode seven. And now you have five more seconds to get out before the spoilers start. So going straight to our endgame couples, our first one we always discuss is Jess and Nick, and this episode we gave them a 5 rating. And finally, Kelly and I could kind of agree on what the rating would be for Jess and Nick because we're starting to see more of those friendship aspects that could lead to chemistry for Jess and Nick for both of us. I think Kelly has been seeing it for a couple episodes. I've been a little bit more hesitant and thinking it's more friendship, but really going into that haunted house and braving that for Jess, I think really brought that up in my eyes as well. Thanks for coming to my side. <laughs> I'm joking though. <laughs> I mean, yes, we kind of did agree. And we also agreed on Schmidt and Cece, uh, where we gave them a 4.5 out of 10. And really because Cece at the end, we find out says, you know, she still misses Schmidt. Schmidt clearly still misses Cece, even though I'm like still frustrated that he's the one who broke up with her and caused all this drama. But then obviously there's Robbie, who we've already commented as this shining star of this episode and like team Robbie. So for Schmidt and Cece, we really just give them a 4.5 because they kind of have these feelings for each other and they're kind of still trying to find a way to interact together. But you know, Cece's with Robbie. Robbie's a very important part of the show right now, and they're not going to be getting together anytime soon. And with Schmidt's douchebag tracker, we always rate him with a 10 being he's a total douchebag and a zero being he's a completely genuine guy. And this time we gave him an eight out of 10. I think everything he's done with Robbie pretty much throughout the whole episode, really did show his douchebag side more than his genuine guy. I think it was only brought down by him agreeing to give the costume to Robbie and really respecting their relationship. But at this point, I don't even know if that actually stays that way and if he's going to continue to respect that relationship. But even in this episode, he does it by stripping down. So, you know, it's, it's clearly like a little bit higher and closer to a douchebag. Exactly. <laughs> That's definitely right. The other spoilers in this episode, as I'm sure many of you saw or would have caught having known and like know about these spoilers is Winston is a cop for Halloween and then later becomes a cop. Like how crazy is that? I couldn't even believe it. Also in this episode, we did a pop culture deep dive in Beverly Hills Chihuahua, and we mentioned that Jamie Lee Curtis is in that movie. And so while it's not a spoiler to the show necessarily, in a kind of spoiler trivia and fun fact, it was fun to see that she was in that movie that is in the New Girl universe, but she also plays Jess's mother on New Girl. So it's another situation where we've seen, I think with Lizzie Kaplan and 127 Hours, they mention movies that are in our pop culture, but then actors and actresses that were in those movies also end up guesting on New Girl. Yeah, that's that's so funny how that comes together like that. Um, lastly, we had not, again, not like a full spoiler of what happened in this episode, but we did see that there was this article online that we're definitely going to share with you all about 
how this episode specifically predicts Jess and Nick's relationship. And, you know, it had some interesting food for thought there and we wanted to include it in case you wanted to also read that article. Yeah, to us, it was kind of more of a stretch and a little bit more metaphoric, but they talk about Jess and Nick's relationship and some of the other relationships and character progressions through the show based on this episode. So if you do check it out, let us know what you think and if you agree with it or if you think it's also kind of a stretch. Yeah, definitely let us know. So that really wraps up our podcast. And Kritika and I want to say thank you again for listening to Who's That Girl? We love that you keep coming back and hearing our our take on these episodes. Please feel free to give us any feedback you have on social media at Who's That Girl Pod or via email at Who's That Girl Pod at gmail.com. We hope to see you back for next week for the next episode. Bye.